Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of your favorite movie podcast. That's right. It's Force Perspective. This is episode 55, The Ballad of Harry and Lloyd. I am your host, SportsGuy515, and on this episode, we will focus on the journeys of both Harry Dunn and Lloyd Christmas as we take a look back at the classic Fairly Brothers comedy known as Dumb and Dumber, followed by a review of its recently released sequel, Dumb and Dumber 2. Adolfo has a night off, but joining me for this episode are my two very distinguished guest co-hosts. First up, the overlord of the Super Friends universe and yet another unfortunate victim of the pseudo lady on a motorized cart. Ladies and gentlemen, the Emperor Big D. Brother, Adolfo might have the night off, but I don't envy him. He's going to have the next 18 years of hard work coming up. But Go ahead, Adolfo, take the night off, and we'll see you in 18 years. Well, hopefully not that long, but we'll see. <laughs> and last mean, hopefully not that long. Are you saying yeah. you want his kid to die? You're cold-blooded, no. bro. No, you're cold-blooded, Danny. All he's saying is that he wants a little bit of, hopefully Adolfo can make some extra time uh, to record some more shows here in the future. And take very, time away from his firstborn? Baby, you're very Pharaoh. extreme. You're very extreme here. No, I'm very black and white. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. But actually, you're Cuban and black, so uh, go figure. No I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm black and white and Cuban. Don't start <laughs> fucking up the percentages here. All right. But I guess with that, I can introduce my last co-host, returning to Force Perspective, a man who always carries a pair of extra gloves despite living in Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Draven. <laughs> now, am I th- who's going to be Seabath and who's going to be Harry? Because I want to be Lloyd. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, you, can, you can be Mary Swanson. <laughs> I once sold Big D a, a headless uh, bird. I'll have you guys know, and he bought it. Look, line and sinker. Yeah. <laughs> and I once told Draven I had worms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's for the that's for the sequel right there. So uh, yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, we're gonna talk Dumb and Dumber, uh, a uh, 1994 cult classic. Not really a cult classic. It's actually a legitimate mainstream classic. Uh, you know, that, uh, a comedy that came out. Well, when was it, Mark? Was it in, in November? When was this one released? It was the exact same day that, that that the new one came out, like the same day 20 years earlier. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, November 1990. I don't know the exact date, but it was in November. It was like November 24th or something like that. Yeah. It was around my 14th birthday, so there you go. I was just as dumb as these guys when, when that movie came out. Still are. <laughs> exactly. 20 years later. <laughs> Now, no, I like no, I, how you purposely ignored the prequel that everybody loves. Everybody loves <laughs> Has that movie been erased from continuity? Is that non-canon? I, I believe, yeah, nobody acknowledges it anymore. I don't think it's even acknowledged as part of, like, the canon anyway. So, so what gets more love, that or the Bible Apocryphy books? 
Mark has no idea what I'm talking about. No now, now, um, the thing about that prequel that, that I love is that the one dude that played Jim Carrey's role, uh, he did a great job, man. He looked just like him, like a younger version of Jim Carrey. Yeah, but it still sucks. So. Yeah, I was going to say, fine, great job. Well, I know I'm talking about just the makeup job and his facials and all that. I'm not talking about the script or the film. It was a piece of trash. He's but, like the uh, bad luck folly of, of the series. Come on, bro. And then I always look, hey, brother, I'm always looking for the silver lining on these things. So to me, that one jabroni, I don't know what he's, maybe he's doing straight to DVD movies now. Maybe he's doing Sharknado 3. But that one dude that played uh, the Jim Carrey role, uh, uh, he, he looked just like him when, if he was younger. The only guy who can get away with that is is, uh, is Sasha when he plays all of Van Damme sequels. He's the only guy who can get away with that. <laughs> and yeah, that is a reference to movies there. So we're not out of uh, you know, we're not out of line there. But well, if we go, go too, if we go too out, of, out, out overboard, Mark might get confused. So let's bring it back. Now, well, now is, is is Lloyd Christmas related to Lee Christmas from The Expendables? Because that would be wacky. That would be pretty wacky. <laughs> Imagine Jim Carrey starting in a film with Jason Statham as the Christmas Brothers. How about that one? It writes itself, brother. It writes I'm itself. Still, well, I'm still waiting for the Vega Brothers movie. Oh, man. They're too fat and too old, bro. Keep waiting. They're too gay. Well, it's half of them either, either Michael Madsen ate John Travolta or John Travolta ate Michael Madsen. You take your pick. And they love to go first. <laughs> but uh, that would have been great if we would have gotten it. But you know, was was it? You know what? Tarantino has a couple choices. Either he just says fuck it, and 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 somehow we're supposed to believe that they're fatter and older, and it takes place in the in the past, or he does the the Dumb and Dumber route and just gets two actors that look like these guys, which is would be blasphemous to those characters. So I rather he just leave it alone. Leave it alone. So. uh then that yeah, guy, let's, get, let's, let's get to it. All right, now, before we, we move on to, you know, Dumb and Dumber, the first film, just want to quickly talk about the comedies of the 90s. Now, you know, growing up in the 90s, I had, you know, all this stuff, Power Rangers I was watching, wrestling, like all this different stuff that was on the air at the time as a kid. You know, I was watching Nickelodeon, all that great stuff. Dean and I talked about that on a previous episode. But, I've done like, many shows about this era. So. But even at the, the films that, like, for example, Dumb and Dumber, that's something that I really couldn't watch as a kid, but I was shown to by, like, you know, my older cousins or my uncle. They'd throw on, like, a movie every Friday night for me. And Your uncle's and about two years younger than you are, though. That's how I got... Hey, uh, that's how I got hey, to is, is, this like a, this. is this a, a laundering your, your juice in the hood kind of deal where the father's older than the son or younger than the that, son? That, that's how it is with these families, bro, these spick families, as Billionaire Ted would say. <laughs> But getting back on track a little bit, that's how I got to know movies like Dumb and Dumber. That's how I saw Casino for the first time. That's how I saw The Mask. That's how I saw Office Space. You know, just you know, through those, those Friday night movies that they would put on for me. But, like, think about the era, bro. You've had, you know, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, Office Space, Wayne's World, Something About Mary, Friday, Mrs. Dodd. Like, what a great decade of comedies, bro. And just, uh, here's what I want to ask you guys before we move on to the actual film. What makes Dumb and Dumber stand out amongst, you know, all the comedies of the decade as a as a favorite? Well, let, let me go first here. First of all, um, let's talk a little bit about Jim Carrey because it all starts there. 
You know, and, and like you were saying, you're a little too young to remember this, but I think me and Big D were around this time. You know, we're kind of from the same generation. And the thing about Jim Carrey is that he went on this tremendous run when he when Damn once it, he left. In, take the words out of my mouth. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, w- w- once he left in Living Color, uh, which he was great in, by the way. I mean, the guy carried that show, and that show had some talented people. I mean, it had the Wayne's Brothers in their peak. So that's that was a huge show. Right, and it was, and it was. The thing about in Living Color was that it was kind of crossing borders, and that it was very controversial. The comedy was very dark. You know, they had they had homie the clown who was this clown who was like on parole and shit, and he just hated life. You know, they, they had uh, so many great characters, and, and Jim Carrey had a lot of classic characters. But what happened was that he ended up getting the gig as Ace Ventura, and that film really fucking launched him to the top. I believe it was a summer film, and it was one of those sleeper films, and it just blew so, up. So wait, were you telling me is that Earth Girls Are Easy was not a success? Well, it had the it had the Goldblum in it, so it had to be a success in my eyes. I was just gonna say, bro, and Gina Davis again. And and it's funny he booked himself connect- in three movies with her. And, and <laughs> the connection there was that that's where Jim Carrey met Damon Wayne, who was the other alien in that film, uh, and possibly in real life. But that's a conversation for another day. And so you know that that was the connection that kind of you know brought them both to a living color, which was our introduction to Jim Carrey as a comic you know, in the mainstream. And so then after Ace Ventura, this guy blew up tremendously, and it was almost like everything he touched was gold. You know, after that, he did The Mask, which was a huge hit, you know, uh, just really blew him up even more. And you're thinking, this guy cannot get any further. And then I don't know what came first, Dumb and Dumber or Ace Ventura 2. I, I don't remember, but either way, it was he He's just added on top of it. He just added another layer of, of comedic genius. And the thing was that, Jim Carrey was a very fresh face in the sense that he was kind of like using that old thing where he's using old tricks that were established by like Buster Keaton and those guys back in the day, back in the day day. And he was kind of putting them a fresh phrase, you know, a lot, a, a lot of like uh, wacky, uh, like when he falls down and stuff, you know, and then his facials, you know, he was called, what do you call them? Like a rubber mask because the guy could make all kinds of wacky faces. And so he he was just a breath of fresh air in a time where, you know, you needed that comedic guy to kind of, like, take take the, the baton, you know, because Eddie Murphy had kind of, like, self-destructed. We didn't really have that, like, comedic face at that time, and he just came in at the right time and the right place with these great films. See, this, yeah, this, is why, this is what two. I was trying to tell you, Mark. That's what I was, every, everything that he just said is exactly what I was going to say. Remember I said that? Uh, like, like, literally, <laughs> even the fact that he mentioned Eddie Murphy, I was going to mention. Well, we are we are Lucha Brothers, so we do have that psychic connection. Yeah, right here on my notes that I have on my wrist, like Dwayne, I actually have like everything that you just said. But I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna add to what you to, to, to what you said. Then I'll put a little icing on your cake here. No, how about I this? How about is... this? Why don't you give us the bio of Jeff Daniels? Because <laughs> nobody cares about him, bro. He was in, he was in, You're a dick, man. He was the Looper, bro. Well, I can't tell him apart from Dave Coulier anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, well, um, one of them, well, one of them fucked Alanis Morrison and the other one didn't, so that's how I tell them apart. Yeah, and uh, that's right, that's right. Um, no, but all I was going to add to what you said about the Jim Carrey, like, zen-like run was that, um, yeah, this is one of the key movies that came out during that run. I mean, really, this was, to me, like, like people that weren't around then don't, probably don't remember that how much marketing his films got when he got hot. You know, the mass is a big deal. Ace Ventura, he got a, a role in Batman, which we talked about on this show before. 
Um, you know, he did Cable Guy, which was kind of a lesser hit, but it was still a, I like that movie. Um, I love that movie. I think his, yeah, I think his run kind of ended. I want to say it was right around like when he did The Grinch, because right before The Grinch came out, he was doing more serious films, like he did um, The Truman Show, which is a masterpiece. We'll talk about that one of these days, probably on Draven's Driving. And he did um, uh, the Andy Kaufman movie, and he did Toronto Sunshine of Spotless Mind, and just so many movies that he he started doing these serious movies. But he started winning Golden Globes and like real awards. People started to see this guy as he's not just a comedian. He's a very versatile performer. And for a long time, he was my favorite actor, especially during this era, because he did the comedies. They were great. Like you said, the facials. And then he did the serious movies, and they were also great. So um, he was pretty hey, awesome. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I, another. You know another key point about Jim Carrey movies, and and I say this as a as a Latino guy. Um, and I could be wrong, but this is what I noticed, and this is what I got to say about this. For some reason, at this time, when Jim Carrey was, you know, when he was on the run we're talking about, it seemed like, like, like his form of comedy was universal. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody, any, it doesn't matter what part of the world you were, you were from, you could sit down and watch a Jim Carrey movie, and I'm talking about those four movies in particular, you know, the Ace Ventura, the sequel, Dumb and Dumber, and The Mask, and you're going to laugh no matter what because you don't have to even speak that language to understand what the hell's going on. It's just so wacky and out there. And and so you have to add that, too, as far as, like, you know, in the 90s they were trying to push this, like, smart comedies. You know what I'm saying? These, these kind of comedies where, like, the, the humor was kind of dark, but you had to kind of be into the story. And, and you know, Jim Carrey just came, and, and he had it kind of like another dimension where it was very visual. And I think that that, that connected with a lot of people. And shortly after Carrie's initial run is when a lot of these guys started making movies like uh, Chris Farley was another guy who had movies that were kind of like Jim Carrey movies where they were very physical and they were very, you know, facials and loud. And, you know, he's the guy who came through. Um, Chris Tucker and Chris Rock were kind of getting their feet in the door. A little bit different kind of comedy there, though. Um, And one of these days we should do a show on, like, black comedies. Like, not black like dark, but like, you know, (laughs) African-American comedies because they are very funny. Um, but yeah, like you said, Eddie Murphy kind of ran his course and, you know, he wouldn't jump the shark until Pluto Nash. To me, and I hate, I don't want to talk about this too much, but the the first film, okay, so I said The Grinch was kind of Jim Carrey's like falling off point, but I would say the first film I ever watched from Jim Carrey where I was legitimately disappointed was the number 23. Like that movie is like, I despise that movie because it's it's like, again, it's, it's one of those like, I want to be smart, but it actually wanted to be more stupid and confusing than it actually was. And then well, after that, he, he started doing a lot of polarizing films. Don't forget, well, he me, also did Liar, Liar, which is another great movie. Well, to me, where, where, the, where the streak ended, and again, you know, this is a guy <laughs> that kind of ended the streak, kind of like The Undertaker. He ended the streak, and then they want to start over again. Uh, like you said, with films like Liar, Liar, Bruce Almighty, which I also kind of like in a wacky way. Not his greatest work, but it's passable. But I, I think... Liked it. I think the one that really, to me, uh, and and this is how you look, at whether or not how you want to look at it. I think I think uh, the Batman movie is the one that killed his run. To me, even back then as a kid, I, I that was the one where it was like, this is not the Jim Carrey that I want to see. And, and um, okay, and, but in his defense, he he was not the lead guy. In his defense, I'm just saying. But as an actor, he could have. I mean. So, okay, this is this is the bottom line here. I don't want to get into it too much, but it was the very definition of cashing in a paycheck because he went into that role 
plain wacky Jim Carrey. And if you're a That's polished right. actor, you you know you, 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 he should have done more with that character if he was if he had some pride in that in that character. But obviously he didn't care. I mean you could tell when you seen it on screen he didn't care. So essentially it was like Jim Carrey just playing the Riddler, and that's all it was. And, and it was just so fucking horrible. But then again, that movie is filled with so many fucking disastrous backstage stories. So maybe it wasn't his fault 100%. But just uh, as a person that likes to keep a little timestamp on things, that's to me when the when the cord got cut. Because before that, he was on a tremendous run, like a perfect run. Not on Eddie Murphy in the 80s run, because that guy, he had like about five or six in a row that were just phenomenal to this day classics. But he certainly wasn't a good run himself. I blame Schumacher. By the way, I heard that your dream is to be bare naked with a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing to remember, too, is that I saw this on IMDb when I was doing research for the show, that in 1994, Jim Carrey became the first actor to have three number ones in one year. I think it was Ace and Sir at the beginning, then it was The Mask, and then it was Dumb and Dumber. And, and he was also the first $20 million man, right? I, I remember reading that even back then, like before Tom Cruise and Will Smith. I think he was the first guy that broke that barrier of just getting, like, this enormous amount of, mo- of money to do a movie. And he fought Jenny McCarthy. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. Back then, Jenny McCarthy was incredible. And he fucked Lauren Holly, which he, who he met on this film. He, they were together for years. Wait a minute, you mean that's not Catherine O'Hara? I can't. I always get them mixed up, too. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara? I mean, that's like a whole bro, different she generation. Looks just like the, she looks like the mother from Home Alone, bro, except younger. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you've been watching. Porn. Now, another interesting tidbit about that was because when they were negotiating the contracts for Dumb and Dumber, uh, this was around the time that Ace Ventura was coming out in theaters. And... Originally, the Fairleys had sent him uh, a contract for $700,000 for his salary, but right when they sent that offer, that was the weekend that Ace Ventura opened to number one in the U.S. box office. So once that happened, you know, the agents scrambled and renegotiated the contract and ended up getting $7 million, which was half of the budget of the film. Wow. Well, That's I mean, I'm, when you're hot. And I'm sure they made it back in, you know, in, in uh, revenue from the box office. <laughs> If they didn't, they wouldn't have made part two or part three. Who is that talking in the background? That's the news. That's the TV. Turn it off. (laughs) The router shut off, so I have to reset it. (laughs) What the fuck does that have to do with the TV? Because it's in the living room. Oh, I see. Uh, well, I'm taking chins out of my 40s, so you guys keep on going with this uh, with this film. Ah, looks good. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. No, it's okay. It's just funny. Come on, right, bro. You so... act like I've never had any any audio mishaps. I've had at least four or five meltdowns on the air in my history. So, but I'm proud to oh. say I've never melted down over the Rock's wardrobe. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> the best, <All> right. bro. <laughs> So, uh, so let, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Fairley Brothers now, because that's another that's another uh, cog in the wheel. Why this film is so good and its sequel. Absolutely. The Fairley Brothers. The Fairley Brothers came up with a film called "There's Something About Mary," which was it's a fucking incredibly funny movie, and I believe that was after this, right? Yeah, it was after this. Well, well, right after this, it was Kingpin, and then it was "There's Something About Mary." 
Right. So my point is that the, the Faraday brothers, which is John and Robert, is it? Bobby? Um, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. So what I like about their films is that they, they – and this is like a real, real, like, on, nerdy – <laughs> This is like a real, real nerdy kind of thing that, you know, only if you study this shit, you'll know. Um, but not, not actually necessarily, because if you like good movies, you're going to pick up on it. But the thing about the Fairly Brothers is their temple. They have this incredibly, incredible talent to, like, space out their jokes and, and kind of like, you, you know, they, 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 their pacing is real, is, is just phenomenal when you're it comes to You're saying they're not spot monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. And every, and every joke means something. Like, if you notice... Every joke they have in their films, it has it, it, it kind of brings something new to the table as far as their characters, you know. And, and so that's why when you see their films, nine times out of ten, it's not only going to be a good movie, but it's also going to be a funny movie. And, and, not, and not only is it going to have a lot of, of, like, comedic value, but it's also going to have some good story to it. Especially in Dumb and Dumber Part 2, I felt, except for the third act, a little bit kind of fell apart, but we'll get to it when we'll get to it. And so... You know, you asked me earlier why why did this film kind of capture the audience attention the way it did? Well, it's because it was directed by these two guys who are like incredibly funny writers as well. Yeah, I mean, just look at their filmography. They have a lot of classics among them, but now I will say that, you know, as their careers progressed, like their films kinda of got a little worse in my opinion, like with each one. But you like the classics, Dumb and Dumber, there's something about Mary. Uh Kingpin to me, I love Kingpin. That's one I of my favorite movies. I love Kingpin, man. That's a great movie. The name's like not Boy. Hall Pass another movie that fell off in the third act. I never saw Hall Pass. I didn't want to see it, though. It's, it's Hall, good. The Hall, first Hall act Pass. is the best. Yeah, Hall Pass is that classic story of, like, you, you're kicking back with your buddy and you guys bring up this scenario of Hall Pass, but there's no, there's not enough material to make an actual movie out of it, but they tried, and it kind of, like 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 Dee said, it kind of falls flatter towards the end. But it's like, you know, essentially your wife gives you a Hall Pass, and then, like, your emotions kind of get the best of you. You kind of don't want to use it, but you do want to use it, and that's it. And somehow you got to make a movie out of that, and then they kind of stretch it out. So, so yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of like a, like a miss. But um, I, I do love how they always have, like, they, they have their, like, they use our insecurities, like, like as comedy for you. Like, for example, there's something about Mary, you know, with Ben Stiller, which actually was the film that really blew him up for a while. Um, and, and, you know, how he wants to date that Mary, and then, you know, she's dating fucking Brett Favre and shit, and, you know, you, you kind of leads to his insecurities as a guy, uh, and then uh, it has a great uh, uh, Keith David, who's doing voiceovers for WWE now, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and then uh, actually, there's something about Mary has two connections, now that I think about it, because not only does it have the great Keith David, it also has a uh, 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 Mary's retarded brother, which ended up being the inspiration for Eugene, the WWE character. So, uh, you know, there's that connection there. Um, and so, and then we have, uh, then we have Shallow Hal, which again, Shallow Hal, you know, it's like, you would think that that's like a one-note joke, you know, the guy that fucking sees, he only sees shallow, you know, the shallowness, in, he's a very shallow guy, is what I'm trying to say, but then fucking, uh, 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 Tony Robbins throws a little fucking curse on him, and the next thing you know, he's that that fat chick. He only sees you know the the beauty in her, you know, which is uh, what's her name? What was her name? That's Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. Yeah, which I think they chose the wrong chick, but fuck it, that's just me. Uh, and, and so yeah, man. So little 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 mo- things like that, you put a little good story behind it, and you're gonna have good movies. But you're right, they do have a couple stinkers, like the Three Stooges. 
Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, right before Dumb and Dumber, their last film was The Three Stooges. Film. And the heartbreak, and I don't like, and I don't like the heartbreak kid either. Yeah, to to me that one, like the first act is good, but then it falls apart in the second. Right, more so, wrestling uh, connections. Three stooges, okay. raw, and dumb and, and heartbreak kid. Right. Oh, you know what I don't like either. I don't like stuck on you either with Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, that one like, I never actually saw. Okay, okay, that was okay, but it, it's okay. But again, it's that one no joke, you know, where it's like, okay, you yeah. know, so you got two brothers that are stuck to each other, and then they get into wacky situations. But, um, you know, they have more hits than misses, so good for them. Me, Although myself, I, and Irene, I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, that one I don't really like that much either, but that's just me. Yeah, that, one was, that one was a one-hit joke to me as well. I thought it was okay. Uh, although, I have a soft spot for Fever Pitch, though. All right. That's the, is that, which is that one? That's the one with Jimmy Fallon about the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I've never seen that one, I don't think, but I've heard about it. Yeah, that one, to me, it, I like it. Like, it has its moments. So, so yeah, man. So, once you get once you get that great combination of Jim Carrey, who was on fire, and you get two talented directors like the Fairley Brothers, I mean, you're going to have a good movie, dude. You are going to have a good movie. Uh, and Jeff Daniels, I mean, he was your, your classic, you know, character actor for a while. Uh, he had just come out in speed, I believe. He was... Uh, uh, what's his name's friend who... who, who yeah, fucking, he was the cop that gets blown yeah, up. Yeah, who, who, who our boy Dennis Hopper blows up in a bomb and shit. <laughs> uh, that's a great... By the way, people, go out and watch Speed, man. Talk about... You know what? I just bought that movie yesterday. I swear. Listen, listen, let, me, let me sidetrack here because we are talking about movies and this is a movie show. The thing about the 90s action stars is that by that point, the Van Dams of the world, the Steven Seagulls of the world, they were being a little too cartoony, and that stuff that, that, that went over at that time wasn't starting to get over uh, in, the, in the early 90s. But there's a couple films like Demolition Man and Speed you know, that people need to check out because those are legitimately good films. I mean, you got Wesley Snipes and, and Dennis Hopper as the lead heels, the, the bad guys, the villains, and they do a good job. And, you know, so, so there, there, there's only a handful of good action movies in the early 90s, but they're there. And uh, Speed is one of them. So Jeff Daniels plays uh, the, 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 the side of Buddy, the, 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 the part that New Jack was told he could play uh, to Denzel Washington. Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> he, can't be, he can't be the the main guy, but he could be the Buddy. I see him as the Buddy. And I see all the motherfuckers right there with, with gig marks all over his forehead just looking at him, you know, and shit. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it's, so that's where, that's where I remember Jeff Daniels from uh, uh, during this time. And then he just blew up as a... Uh, Arachnophobia uh, was the first movie I saw him in. Right. And and so... But then what did he do after... Mark, if you help me out here, what did he do after Dumb and Dumber? Because but here's the thing. When there's a hit, everybody's in demand. What did, what did this guy do afterwards? Because he had to be he in did, demand. He, he did Pleasantville a few years later, and he did 101 Dalmatians. Other than that... I don't yeah, that's right. And there really was like nothing I've, I've heard of. Like it's like after Dumb and Dumber, he did Redwood Curtain in '95, Fly Away Home in '96. Then it was 101 Dalmatians in '96, Pleasantville in '98. So really, wow, this, this guy, this guy either, either he just had another gig other than acting, or he had a horrible agent because you know the best time to get work is when you're hot. You, I mean, you, everybody throws everything at you, and and you're the one that's in demand, and 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 it's your your you know your spot to lose. So uh, I don't know what happened there with this guy, but uh, 
So, so those, those were those were your components as far as you know making this film Dumb and Dumber One uh, what it was, you know, and a great film and, and very well written. Now, I mean, kind of to your point about Jeff Daniels. I mean, according to IMDb, the Fairleys didn't want Jeff Daniels in the film, but Jim Carrey did. So what they did was they lowballed him. They sent him an offer of fifty thousand dollars for his salary because they were expecting him to say "fuck you guys." I'm not taking that, but he. He took it, and he didn't negotiate anything more. He just accepted the offer, and then that was it. So there you go. All right. So so now now uh, uh, this is where it gets interesting to me when I like talking movies because these are these are the unsung heroes of the world. I want to talk a little bit about Karen Duffy because if that, you you wouldn't understand this, Mark, and maybe you wouldn't either, Deep, because you were like maybe a little bit not or maybe you would but karen duffy was the shit in like 91 92 on mtv like everybody had a crush on her like she was the it dj for that time and so you know for her to be able to play one of the lead villains was was pretty cool and then you had the other guy whose name is i believe his name is mike Starr, who's the guy that everybody who watches movies in the 80s would recognize in everything brother i mean this is what this is one of those uh guys like the lead bad mechanic yeah, he's like one of those guys, the, the lead bad guy in No Holds Barred, you know, the, the kind of guys that everybody knows, but you can't tell me their name, those kind of dudes. And uh, and, and so this guy did a lot of shit as a, as a you know, as a, as a character actor. And he, I think he steals the show, man. I think much like that one guy in the sequel, uh, that was, uh, that I forget his name, but he's like a big comic right now, the one that has the twin, uh, you know, I think they, with the material that they were given, I thought they did a great job, both of them. The Fairleys are good at writing those characters. You know that whole gag with the chili and shit, where they spice up his food oh, and all that stuff. You know, <laughs> pills I mean, are good. Pills, pills are good. good. My favorite thing is when he goes to the bill and he goes, uh, "Gas man, how'd they know I had gas?" I got gas. That's, that's, I was just about to say that. Great movie, bro. <laughs> so yeah, so all, so all these people, I mean, very much a reflection of the time, if you ask me, as far as the. The, the cast of, of Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, man. I mean, like, just before we... Let's kind of transition down to the actual film. Like, you know, talk about, like, our favorite scenes, like we just started doing. But just a couple more uh, notes I found from IMDb that I thought interesting. Like, for example, the the scene, you know, where he's seen the... He's in the bar, and Jim Carrey sees the, the newspaper, so he's like, we landed on the moon! That was an ad-lib. And the whole, yeah, that that. whole scene with the uh, the most annoying sound in the world was also an ad-lib. Oh, <laughs> that's a great scene. I love that scene. But I like part two's better because it's a little more, uh, it's a little more grown up, and and I love that punchline. Like when, like when he starts ringing the doorbell, and then the the, the woman comes out, and he's like, "That is the second most, you know." And that that to me was a great punchline right there. Yeah, I love that because it had nostalgia all over that. Yeah, and that's the yeah. secret when you when you're writing a comedic sequel. Just like with Home Alone 2, because it's very hard to do a sequel to a comedy. Is you got to have little throwbacks like that. You have to. Otherwise, you know, and that, the, the whole reason is to pop people. Yeah, not only do you have to have little throwbacks, you're right, 100% deep, but you also have to kind of build upon them. Like, like the thing about sequels, and this is what a lot of people don't understand, the reason why about 85% of sequels suck in the entire history of movies is because the the filmmakers get in a trap, and next you know they made exactly the same film they made the first time. Now nobody wants to see that. It's cool to have like the characters come back for any sequel and everything, especially if you like them. But the 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 real talent is when a sequel kind of builds on on, on the previous film, and including like the jokes and all that, and, and like the little nods to to like the previous film. But you also want to make a different film. 
you know, and, and uh, which, which is the problem that, that, that happened with The Hangover. You know, that film was essentially the same film twice. The third one, they tried to be a little different, but it was too late. The people were already burned. And so, uh, so, so you know, that, that's why that joke to me worked, you know, when they brought back that most annoying sound in the world joke in the sequel, because it, it, it was the same joke, but, but it, it almost had two layers to it, because, you know, it, it wasn't the doorbell. It was the bitch answering the doorbell. So that, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Just uh, just one more. I, I want to play a little game with you guys before we move on to uh, we start talking about like the plot and all that. We're not going to go through the whole film, but I just want to give a quick summary, and then we'll give our thoughts. But here, here's a little thing called fact or fiction, because I found this on IMDb, and because it's kind of like Wikipedia, where it's like it's user, uh, like people could just write whatever they want on it. I found this under the Dumb and Dumber page, and I want to, want to know what you guys think of this, because according to that page, the trivia page, it says that the original choices for Lloyd and Harry were – Gary Oldman for Harry and Nick Cage for Lloyd. You <laughs> said the magic How word, bro. Nick shit? Cage. How wacky is that shit? No, that was before Nick Cage lost his mind. This is '94. This is still serious, Nick Cage. This isn't. I'm gonna name my son Cal Al, and I'm gonna buy a dinosaur head, Nicholas Cage. That would come later. This is uh This is uh This is just regular Lost in Las Vegas Academy Award this winner. Is Nicholas Nick Cage. Cage Coppola is what you're saying. <laughs> you probably me with that one, bro. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know if photo Nick Cage now, yeah, for sure, because I think he lives the gimmick. If you want to talk about Dumb and Dumber, Nick Cage <laughs> then, uh, Nick Cage then, maybe not. Uh, Gary Oldman, I don't know. It would be a good test range his acting ability because if he could pull it off, then he he would be really really great. Look, I mean, if he, he pulled off Drexel, he can pull this off. <laughs> no, nah, but Drexel wasn't that hard. But uh, it white boy day. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that, that's interesting. So I'm gonna go ahead and say fact because I know how Hollywood works. They're wacky like that. No, I'm it's hard for me to imagine that being real. What about you? Dude? Oh, they don't, they, they don't. They don't give you the answers there in this contraption. No, we, no, we got it. According no, to I'm IMDb, it's a fact. So I'm not buying it. Okay, give me, give us another one. All right, let's see. Uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short were both both turned down the role of Lloyd. I could see it. I could definitely yeah, that's see a that. More realistic. Martin, so Martin Short, Short bro. Martin talk, Short, talk, talk about a, talk about a guy whose name fit his description. That's all I'll say on him. Oh my god, bro. <laughs> well, that's Martin Short, bro. I mean, talk, no, talk about a guy who. Talk about going nowhere and disappearing off the face of the earth, bro. What's he, is he selling hot dogs right now? He's on Broadway. There you go. A.K.A. selling hot dogs. He became one of, he became one of those knobs. Tony Award <laughs> sucky motherfucker. <laughs> Matthew Broderick's in the same show as him on Broadway. With uh, uh, Martin Short took over for Nathan Lane. He was on the show, but then he just left. So now he took over his role. Big beast favorite actor of all time, Nathan Lane. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, the birdcage didn't make me laugh, but for all the wrong reasons. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What else? Fact or fiction? What else? Fact or fiction? Uh, they named Freda Felcher a- after the actual act of what's called after the role of a Felcher, which, if you don't know what that means, go to Urban Dictionary because it's disgusting. Fact or fiction? <laughs> Oh, man. I, think that's, well, I don't I think know that's... what it means. Well, go look it up. <laughs> no, tell me. 
Wait a minute, you've got me on the air and you're gonna you're gonna blue ball me right here on the air, bro? <laughs> no, no, no. My my favorite wacky and this is this is the, this is my kind of comedy, brother. My favorite wacky name is Joe Mental Mentalano. That's my favorite fucking name <laughs> of that movie, bro. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like Otto Octavius wacky right there. Like what a coincidence, you know? Mental Mentalano. Or Mentalino, because he's Italian, I guess. <laughs> well, that was the last one anyway. So I guess with that, we can move on to the uh, to the film. Now, before we you know get to our favorite roles and stuff, our favorite parts, I should say, I want to talk about the beginning real quick because I loved how the beginning just established the entire mood for the, for the film. Because you have Lloyd pull up in the limo, and when you first see him, he rolled out the window, you think, oh, you know, he his limo and he's being driven around the city and he's talking to the girl trying to hit on her and when she says you know she's from Austria he's like Austria you know we should put some shrimp on the bobby <laughs> she just looks at him and then right after then she just just takes off you know she uh she just basically rejects him and then he goes like no no before that first like he gets his nose caught in the window which becomes a recurring gag in the film and then right. you find out that he's actually the driver trying to play Big Shot. And then <laughs> when Boom Shackalash plays uh, over the opening credits, that just established the entire mood for the film. I thought it was great. Now, yeah, and, now, and, and that early scene kind of establishes um, kind of one of the strengths of the Farrelly brothers. The Farrelly brothers are really good at combining both physical comedy as well as punchlines. But what I think they have the edge in a lot of other people is that there's a lot of sight gags in their movies that you don't notice the first time around. And Dumb and Dumber is a great example of this. For example, when he's driving Mary Swanson around, uh, there's cars crashing into each other in the background. And, you know, the audience is supposed to focus on Jim Carrey talking, but... You know, they put in enough sound effects so you see that the guy's not paying attention to the road and there's cars crashing. That's a funny little tidbit. Also, there's a scene very shortly after that where when Harry and Lloyd are running out of their apartment, you see two guys in the background taking a piss. Like, that kind of... The background comedy, I think they're really good at doing that. I think that's that's a good skill to have. No, but remember that that, that part, where where, you see the car crashes when he's driving Mary? He's talking about, like, it's okay, Mary. Statistically, you're more likely to get killed on the way to the airport. And then you see around the red light, and then you see, like, the explosion in the background. And that's what I'm talking about. They're, they're good at layering their jokes. Like, like Yeah, the, 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 the contrast in what's going on and what he's saying is, is what also gives it comedic value. And that's something that movies... It's like it, there was a time period where there was all these comedies coming out recently that were just retarded, like one after the other, and they were either too white or they used the same... And you know what I mean by white? I mean pale comedies with the same fucking jokes, and, you know, Draven likes to call it the uh, the dancing grandfather jokes. That he, he the, dancing, the, the, so the, dancing, no, the dancing granny and the peen baby is what you the see in all these yeah, 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 and then it got really retarded, and then there was those awkward jokes, you know, but I, I, I do miss the era, and they still have these movies come out once in a while, like Dumb and Dumber 2, um, where you have, you know, good punchline timing and, and sight gags, and I, I do miss that, and this movie is great at it. With, with, a, with a little bit of a good story, because let's not forget that both of these films are, are your classic road movies, which I'm a huge uh, fan of, I love road movies, and uh, and um, 
you know, it's they they do it in a way where there's a lot of comedy into it, you know, and, and I and so that's also that's also a good thing. Yeah, road movies are good to do because you can it allows exploration because they go to all these different places and there's different gags every place they go. Right. So uh, so um, yeah, man. Uh, uh, the to me the, the 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 classic road movie was uh was uh what's it called uh, the airplane road trip with Tom Green. No, 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 the one with John, with John Candy and Steve Martin. Tell me that's not a classic, bro. That's an all-time classic. You're talking classic. about planes, trains, automobiles. Trains automobiles. Oh, man, that, that to me is the very definition of, of, of a road movie that's so fucking well-aired. I mean, not to get on the sidetrack here, because to me, this is a, we're focusing on Dumb and Dumber, but, but, but uh, trains, airplanes, and automobiles is up there compared to anything else as far as road comedy movies. Uh, you know the John Candy's character is just so fucking well there, especially at the, the, the end when all of a sudden it turns into a drama. But guess what? It's not a cartoony drama because they're so good at what they're doing that you actually believe it. You know how like he really has no family at the end and he made it all up and shit. And then like how Steve Martin and I love how like it has no real ending. He just kind of walks into the house and that's the end of the movie. Like that, that's awesome right there, man. Like and uh, and so yeah, road movies are, are are pretty cool when they're done right. And this is one of the best ones too, Dumb and Dumber. What I also liked about, like, the writing here is that I love how the contrast of, like, their level of, of dumbness, uh, I guess, to cause I can't think of a better expression for it, because, like, you see Lloyd, and then just throughout the movie, you see, like, he just says the stupidest shit, he does the stupidest shit, while, while Harry, he's kind of more reserved in, in his stupidness. Like, he's well, yeah, like an upstanding one guy, dumber. it's just like, he, like he's got <laughs> more common sense than anything else. Right, right. And, uh, and the, and, the and, other thing, too, is is that the movie, a lot of these movies, when they try to copy this formula, they fall into the trap of insulting the intelligence of the audience. Um, you know, to the point where you look at the movie and you think, God, you know, nobody's really that dumb. You know, and some people will look at it that way. These movies don't do that. Like, you know, there's a, one of my favorite lines in the film is when they go into the apartment and they're talking about, I can't get a job. And then he just busts out with, unless you want to work 40 hours a week. We. You know, like that... <laughs> That gag I love because the the fact remains that there's people on Earth who follow that same formula, they, that same uh, thought process, you know? Well, so I don't think yeah. any of the gags are really that dumb. No, well, here's the thing about, about Harry and Lloyd is that the, the, they do such a great job of, of, of how they, they wrote them that I think a lot of people that have been on this earth long enough, they could even tell you, I know a couple people like that because they're they're like – they're so not self-aware, but this is this is where the where the contrast comes in. They're in the real world, like the, the, everybody around them is self-aware of what's going on, kind of, but they're not. So so it's like we we all kind of I mean not to this extreme, of course, but we all know people like that that that, that just live their life kind of like they're dumb and dumber, you know. And it's like you you you're like I could see those characters, you know, t- with the volume turned a little lower. Uh, and, and somebody I know in real life. And so I think that's the cool part. Another thing is that when these characters are not written right, you could actually they could actually become heels. They could actually become villains, which I think is one of the things that, that has turned me off to Homer from The Simpsons because after a while, these guys are so dumb that they cross over to being selfish, you know, just because they're so dumb. They're written so dumb. Well, that, Homer that, was always kind of selfish, though. Like, that's been established from early on. Right, so 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 all of a sudden you kind of you're kind of rooting against them because they do in the in the in the 
for, for the sake of being dumb, they hurt so many people along the way that all of a sudden you're like, well, fuck these guys. You know, now you want something to happen with them, and, and you know, uh, Dumb and Dumber never crosses that line, which I've seen being crossed in, in, other, in other films, but Dumb and Dumber never crosses it. So, again, well, very good writing. One of the tricks to not crossing that line, which the Farrelly brothers knew, and this is how you can tell a good storyteller from a bad storyteller, one of the tricks to not crossing that line is to establish actual heels. Because if the whole movie is just them on a road trip and they got to get to a destination, that's one thing. And you could develop some, you know, what you're talking about, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the I don't want to call it stonewalling, but you could develop, like, the dislike for the characters. But when you're watching the film, you're seeing the two heels. Well, really, it's three heels. And, you know, you're seeing legitimately, you know, bad people, whereas Lloyd and Harry, even though they're dumb, they never come off as being bad human beings. But what they do to, to establish them as, as true baby faces is you create these, you know, uh, these two these characters that prey on people and they want to kill them. And then in both Dumb and Dumber and the sequel, you've got those characters that are, you know, the terrorists or whatever, the, the, the heels. If they were not in the movies, then you could easily, you know, see Harry and Lloyd like for example in part two you could see you know they really came close to treading that you know that border with with Lloyd wanting to fuck Harry's daughter you know because that's that was very you know very very slimy you know in, in right, many ways right. but oh you're right enough. that's a great example that's a great very selfish and and, and you know very uh almost very one-dimensional in the sense that Here's a friendship that's been going on for 20 years, and all this guy wants to do is fuck uh, Harry's daughter? I mean, come on. Yeah, and that's one of the things that kind of threw me off about the movie. But it's one uh, of those although, things where... Although, although Lloyd's dream sequence is one of my favorite things in that film, though. Well, what a, that, that punchline is awesome, dude, where he comes out ready to save his daughter, and then the ninjas just come in and fucking kill him. <laughs> that shit is fucking... <laughs> and again, that's a throwback to the first movie. Right, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, no, so, yeah, but, but, but that's great. all to finish my point. Yeah, so they have these other villains in the movie, and in both the first and the second movie, the villains end up dying, um, you know, with, with um, uh, the, the mentalist guy in the first movie and then the other guy in the second. I don't remember their names, to be honest with you, but uh, and they end up dying. Really, it's one of those things where they both die because of Lloyd and, and Harry. They, they kill him, you know, but it's unintentional both times. Right, right. So, well, it's, and it's typical, you know, slapstick comedy, which is good. You know, the way the villains die, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the good guys not really knowing they did it, you know, stuff like that. that, that that's, that's like comedy 101. That's good. So that whole, that whole opening scene that we just talked about and kind of elaborated on a little bit, it kind of sets up the entire film because you have, you know, he's, he's stalking Mary. She goes to the airport, and she leaves behind the briefcase, and it becomes his mission in life to get that briefcase back to her in Aspen, a place that's yes. warm, a place where the beer flows like wine. <laughs> like how like he just assumed. He just assumed that. And that's the other thing, too, about, about the first movie versus the second movie. I think the first movie is better. But that's because it's very hard to top, you know. A sequel is very hard to top a first movie. But I do love how in the first film, one of the brilliant things about this movie, which was copied many times, this is a, a thing that has been copied nonstop, is that Harry and Lloyd are both clearly not very intelligent. They are dumb and dumber. But yet the entire world, who is self-aware, is too dumb to realize this. Because one of the beautiful things about the writing in that movie is that they think that Harry and Lloyd are, you know, 
geniuses, you know, we're dealing with a couple of real pros here, and like the cops <laughs> think, the cops think that they're that they're brilliant, right? The, you know, the villains think that they're brilliant, but there are a couple of idiots that just happen to have uh, fallen into this. It's a calamity movie, is what it is. And you're right. I have seen that 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 kind of storyline motif you played out in other films. I can't give you the names of them right now because I don't remember. But I have seen that 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 little plot device used, and it, it, it does get played out. You know, where they're retarded, but nobody else. Everybody thinks they're so retarded that they're actually geniuses. Uh, fuck, I forgot. And they did it in the second what, movie too, but not as much, not as good as in the first movie. You know, you know what? Uh, uh, Steve Carroll from The Office kind of pulled it off a little bit during the the early years. But that was also great writing. But that's a story for another yeah. day. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, I have seen it done before, and uh, it's not it, half the time it's not as great as, obviously it's not going to be as great as this film. But, of course, a lot of this, this stuff that happened, too, was you've got to call it lucky breaks. Because remember the scene where right after they kill Menthol, and then the cops are waiting for him at the Colorado border? But instead of going there, they he went the wrong way towards freaking, like, Lincoln, Nebraska or whatever. Yeah, it's <laughs> so a calamity. He avoided that whole to go thing. visit Stevie J. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but that's again going back, you know, and I guess we're gonna be on the Fairly Brothers' dicks the whole time here, so that's, I guess I've got to get used to it. But going back to the writing, man, it's like uh, uh, you have to do things like that because the thing is that one of the things I hate in any kind of fucking movie is when you introduce a, a plot device just to, just for the sake of the movie. You know, it, I hate that stuff. So now, yeah, uh, yeah, just like in life, you're gonna catch some breaks, and, and, and just because life throws them at you like that, and they do get lost, and they do go to Nebraska, and then that drives the plot forward. You know, instead of just like like magically having a scene where like something diverges Harry and Lloyd over to Nebraska. You know, that that, that would have been too, like, that's a little too much right there. So so it's little, little things like that make for good writing. One of the scenes also that a lot of people like to point out to is, like, at the beginning, right before they leave for Aspen, like that whole, that emotional scene where, you know, Lloyd kind of breaks down. He says, you know, I'm sick and tired of trying to eat my way through life. It gives them, it humanizes these characters because, you know, you see them, you know, they, you know, they act stupid, they do all this dumb stuff, but it, that scene, right there, you know, it kind of humanizes them, gives them a purpose, gives them a character. So that's why I think a lot of people are still able to relate to them more and are able to get on their side. Yeah, but then right after that, he gives a dead bird to a blind kid, which, again, that's the thing about these movies. It's just like him wanting to fuck Harry's daughter. Lloyd, Harry always comes off like a little bit of a better person because, you know, there's also the scene later on in the film where you had two pairs of gloves. Yeah, we're in the Rockies. Like, <laughs> you know, like... like no, no, whole... but, but here's, the, here's the... I'm sorry to interrupt you, Deep, but I'm going to say it real fast. Here's the ultimate payoff to what you're saying. At the end of the day, Lloyd is very selfish, and, and, and he only thinks of... He's very single. He has a one-track mind. But remember, he works himself into being in that fucking insane institution for 20 years just to play the joke on Lloyd, I mean on Harry. So, so he worked himself at that, and just just because of the way he is, you know what I'm saying? And and the beautiful thing about it is, no matter how fucked up they are to each other, they're always forgiven. You know, like the scene where he where he gets the motorcycle. Just when I thought you couldn't be any dumber, any dumber. you go and do something like this, and totally <laughs> totally redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that they, they, they're too dumb to even realize it. But, yeah, Harry comes off like the better person of the two. Um, Lloyd can be a kid. Lloyd, yeah, Lloyd's very selfish. That is the, that is the, uh, you hit the nail on the head on that one, definitely. Well, that, that whole point is driven home with the whole X-Lax scene. Yeah. yeah, that, was, yeah. that was very fucked up. 
Yeah, well, I mean, but 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 it's also, but you know what? That you kind of have to have one of them be more of a dick than the other because um, it kind of adds that comedic, you know, because because that's let's be real here, okay? Let's be real. A lot of these movies, when people are dicks to each other, it's funny. Like you know, we talked about Police Academy. We have not talked about Porky's, but a lot of these '80s comedies, yo, House Party. These people are doing fucked up shit to each other, and it's funny. So fuck it, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, and it, but you also have that underlying theme of like we we fuck with each other, but then when the shit hits the fan, we're gonna be united, you know. Which again, it, it's very reflective of real life in a lot of ways, you know. And, and so, uh, so yeah, there's that, that, again good writing, man. I mean, and, and we're talking about these guys as if they're real people, and we're describing all their little intricacies. So again, we're even falling for the trap of recognizing how how well layered these guys are as characters. You know, you couldn't do this in, in in another kind of movie that wasn't well written because you don't get enough information about them. Even like the little details, like like Harry being a, a or Lloyd being selfish. You know what I'm saying? So so it, it's it's good that, that that we could kind of pick pick apart these two characters with little things like that. And, and it's, only, and it's only been two films, so you don't even have a lot of time to work with. So that's good. I like that two films. The the prequel never happened, bro. It's been a race. <laughs> the prequel was like yeah. Vader doing moonsaults on hay. It just it never <laughs> happened. It was a bad dream. No, another thing, another point I was going to make about the way they're written is uh, that even though the, the the whole gag of the movies is that they're both not very smart, they're both dumb, like the title tells you, there's always those weird moments of brilliance. Like, you know, I mentioned a dead bird, okay? Yes, giving a blind kid a dead bird is not morally right, but his intentions... Kind of, you think like if you really think about it, if you peel it back, okay, that's kind of smart. Um, I think the real highlight of the movie, where you really see how smart, even though that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I would say the smartest thing that Jim Carrey ever did, or that these characters did in the first film, was the restaurant scene because I I just love the fact that they go up to the waitress and they're like, yeah, um. Yeah, Seabass over there. He says he's gonna take care of our tab. And then you know she looks over. She's like, Seabass said that. And the guy puts his hand up. Which, by the way, Seabass is a fucking in real life. Isn't he that hockey player that uh, Cam Neely that they named Bam Neely out of? <laughs> right. Yeah, Cam Neely. Cam Neely, brother, with Chavo Guerrero as his partner. But no, so <laughs> he goes and he fucking has he has the the, the waitress or the the chick, whatever. She bills him, and then Seabass is all pissed off about it. That was brilliant, bro. And you almost you know you almost are happy that that happened because Seabass was being a dick, even though Seabass in actuality had every right to get mad at them because they threw fucking a salt shaker at him. What about, speaking of selfishness, what about when Steve Bass goes up to him and, and Lloyd is pointing at Harry, you know, who, which one of you pukes did it? And he's just pointing at him, you know. What a dick, bro. It's always found on the bus like that. Well, at the end of the day, they do have to have the mentality of a 10-year-old, and, you know, that's how all 10-year-olds are. Yeah, she touched my leg. Okay, kill him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, a scene, you shot man. my best friend, you bastard. The thing about that diner scene, too, he's a little bit of trivia. You know how after they they escape the diner, he's talking about how he saw this whole plot in a movie? Well, the movie that he saw it in was Something Wild from 1986, and the guy who actually told that in the movie was Jeff Daniels. So there you go. I love that scene, bro. I love that whole – everything about that scene is awesome. What's the soup du jour, the soup of the day? Mm, Sounds good. 
I think I'll have I'll that. I'll have that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the way, I am going to recommend people check out the unrated version of the movie because the scene where he's about to get raped by Seabass in the bathroom, that's extended and it's much funnier. Yeah. Now, now I got uh, We've been, we've been talking about about uh, about Lloyd's kind of being selfish. Let's not forget that Harry tried to like he tried to take away uh, his chick. You know what I'm saying? And he actually went out with her. Exactly. So, so you know, you know, it goes both ways sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the of, of this film is the uh, the whole montage and they're getting ready for the gala, and they play Pretty Woman and going through that all that shit, finding the tux, and they're getting their nail, the corns taken out, and she has to use the fucking saw. It yeah, awesome, bro. Yeah. And when he when he pranks the uh, the barber with the ketchup. Yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing about the Fairley Brothers. Their their montages or their montages, as the snob would say. Uh, are very, very, they're always very well-crafted and very wacky, and they always use the wackiest theme music you can think of. Yeah, and then they show up with the orange and blue suits, and of course, they look ridiculous, and everybody thinks it's a joke, but they themselves think that it looks good. And then there's that scene where he talks to Mary, and I said, who did you got there? The birds. They're beautiful. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, he hits them with the line, you know, I breed them, you know, he's like, any unusual... Reading, he's like, yeah, I made it a bulldog with a Shih Tzu, called it a bullshit, which bullshit. is funny because that's an extremely clever joke, bro, and he laughs at it, and I'm laughing too, because it's like, that's a good joke, you know? <laughs> that's clever, like, that's not dumb at all. <laughs> they, 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 have, they have their moments, man. It, it's, like, it's like they say, even a broken watch is, is right twice a day, so they do have yeah, their man. moments. And by the way, when they kill the owl, that would always, whenever I watch that film with somebody who's never seen that film before, that that scene always pops to everybody. And that's one of those scenes that, like you mentioned earlier, um, it, it's it's a scene that's, that's uh, that, that's you know, you don't have to speak English to understand that scene, bro. And people love that scene when, when the owl gets killed. Yeah. And I yeah. love how they just no-sell it, too. Like, boy, this party really died. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and, so, and sometimes I like acting like them because you know what? It's fun to act like that sometimes. Uh, yeah, the, I guess to, to a point, yeah. Oh, what? Do you, what about even the montage where they find the where they discover that the briefcase has the money in it, and they just go on their spending spree with the fucking. That's, what, that's my favorite montage of the movie. <laughs> there you go. That's there good you go. money right there, sir. That's an IOU. <laughs> See, this one is a car. Might want to hold on to that one. <laughs> go ahead and add it up. Every cent's accounted for. <laughs> I love how he goes like, that's as good as money, sir. Now, the other thing that carries the movie, too, is the Jim Carrey dream sequences. You know, there's the first one where, you know, he rips the guy's heart out of his chest. That's a classic. And then he makes all the wacky Jim Carrey faces, which slays <laughs> me. Right, and he, you know, it's all over-the-top bullshit. Like, and that's funny because, like you said, he has the mind of a 10-year-old. You know, when I was younger, bro, I used to think just like that, bro. When I had a crush on a chick, I used to, for real, bro, I'm peeling the curtain back here. When I was really young, and by young I mean 29, I would dream about, <laughs> you know, killing ninjas and fucking saving the world, you know, for my chick, you know, and that's kind of what he does. Um, and then, but my favorite one's at the end, because, because the end gets you when he pulls the gun out. He's got a gun! Die! And he's like, and then he wakes up out of it. That's brilliant, bro. That's right. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah, I love the uh the whole thing with the uh after they they uh, the cops come into the hotel and then Harry's like, you know, 
you know, they gave me a bulletproof vest and gave me a gun. And Lloyd has to kill you. But what if he shot you in the face? What if he shot me in the face? <laughs> that's a risk we were willing to take. And that's another thing, too, is that Chicken and uh, and Jeff Daniels have a lot of chemistry, bro. Like, the scene, you know, we talk about wacky faces, bro. When you try to get her number, uh, <laughs> the, the, first of all, the scene starts out great. Those your skis? Yeah. Both of them? <laughs> yeah. And then, cool. and then he's like, oh, I'll give you my number. And then she's really annoying, bro, which is, uh, we all know chicks like this, bro, who talk just like her, even look like her. Five, five, yeah. For God's sake, just give me the damn number. Like, that's a classic scene. And then later in the movie, she meets Jim Carrey, and she's talking his ass off, and he, he does the whole, did you know? And he's like, no, and I don't care. care. How many times have you thought about that, saying that to a bitch? <laughs> Hiya. Hey, kid, you wouldn't have to have a cup of warm water, would you? That's going to be you tomorrow, bro. <laughs> hey, we're going to have to uh, we're gonna have to interrupt this because I, I think i got to move my car right now. So uh, what do we do here? What? Do we pause or what? Do we pause for the yeah, call? We can pause. We can pause. All right. What? Uh, no, I said i got to move my car. i got to move my car. Is somebody, like, threatening to break it or something? No, because they're going to have a party tomorrow, and I forgot they asked to use my space, so i got to move it. Oh, I see. So, so what's up? Uh, I'll be back then. Okay, cool. So how do I do this? Do I just call back in? Yeah, if you want to hang up the phone now, call back in. All right, uh, all right. Uh, l- l- let me just put the phone down, and I'll be back. Okay. Okay. He's bye. gone. Now we can talk about him. No, no, hold on, hold on. I'm not gone yet. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was just right, kidding, bro. Relax. Hold on. If you're gonna talk about me, talk about me. let me be gone first. Oh <laughs> uh, shit. Well, uh, hopefully, like when he comes back, we'll I'll try to wrap up the first one. Then we'll just go go through the second film quickly, and then that'll be hopefully by midnight we'll be done. Midnight? What are you talking about, bro? We'll, we'll be done way before midnight. I so don't want to do this till midnight because it's another yeah. three-hour show after this, maybe yeah. longer. Because if, it, yeah, well, if you're gonna be on with us, bro. It's going to be a little bit longer because everybody has to talk. Yeah. So what we'll do, here's what we'll do for that show. Is, uh, all right, all right I'm, I'm back. They said I could do it tomorrow, so I'm back. Oh. All right, well, I guess I'll, do you want me to finish my sentence or do you want me to just go back? I'm to the back. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's later on, huh? I forgot. Yeah. yeah, so what we'll do for that show is I'll just play the host and then I'll throw Draven the historical stuff and then I'll throw you the um, live life thought stuff, and then we'll go from okay. there. Cool. That, 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 okay, anyways, uh, it's up to you now to keep going. Like, another scene that uh, that sticks out near the end of the film is uh, when he has Mary at the hotel room, and he's practicing when he's going to stay there in front of the mirror, and then when she comes out, he just fucks it up. <laughs> Dude, that's, glad, that's brilliant. I just want to make love to a schoolboy. And, and she looks at him, she's like, and maybe I should go. No, 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 but remember, there's three different punchlines there because there's there's the first thing where he th- where he grabs her by the – where they trick you into thinking he's actually talking to her. And then he grabs, like, the air and he starts kissing it. That's phase number one. That's layer number one. Layer two is where he fucks up. Layer three is when she goes – when he goes, what are my chances? And she's like, one out of a one out of a hundred? And she goes, more like one out of a million. And he goes, so you're telling me telling there's a me chance. There's a chance. That's the punchline. That, and that's become a pretty uh, pretty awesome meme on the internet, too. For 
That's yeah, every indeed. beta, bro. That's every and, beta and on D, earth, bro. And, and that's one thing D loves. Yeah, there's one thing D loves is those memes on the internet. I know he gets off on those. Oh yeah, I love those as much as I love wrestling fans. Started watching in '99. <laughs> the Alice Radleys of the world. <laughs> so uh, you know, one of the things that, that we haven't talked about. First of all, one of the things that's understated, and there's no way we could do this justice, is that this movie was a phenomenon in '94. Everybody was talking about it, doing Halloween parties. Everybody was dressed as Harry or Lloyd. You know, everybody was doing all the one-liners from the movie. But also the soundtrack blew up. Let's not forget about that. That fucking wacky song, you know, the ding, 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 I mean, that was all over the place during this time. And so, um, yeah, it, it was definitely a big hit, man. Oh, what about the fucking song? That, we're, <laughs> that song when they're, that they're playing during the ski trip? You know, if you don't love me, I'll kill myself. I love that song. Bro. <laughs> it's so catchy. It is perfect for the... Uh, no, what about too. Mary Lou? She's a vegetarian. That's a perfect song for fucking the chick. Yeah. So, so dun, I mean, that entire dun, soundtrack. Dun, 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 dun. And that was during the era where you would actually go out and buy soundtracks. Like, I don't think people do that anymore. Like, they'll buy film scores because that's specific to the film. But yeah. soundtrack is like, you know, people just download the, if they like a song in a movie, they'll just go buy it and just download that one song. The days of, like, buying an entire soundtrack uh, uh, are long gone. But I used to be a huge fan of those because, you get a little mixture of a lot of artists in one in one CD or one tape, which which is uh which is something you really don't see anymore. Well, but, they remember uh, you, you had to buy the with... turtle soundtrack to get nine point nine five. So that's a must purchase right there. Well, well this, this, I, no, I would say I know I bought the Batman one because they had prints. I remember that. I bought the Batman one. I bought the Turtle Secret of the Use one. And then I bought, uh, I believe I bought the Dumb and Dumber one and the Crow one. Did you buy the Ghostbusters one? No, no, I was too young for that. I was like four when that movie came out. You know, I I was wondering uh, maybe you got it later on. No, because by that point I would just buy like, yeah, I see what you're saying. But what are you going to say, Mark? Bro, I had the the Batman Forever cassette. I had the Turtles cassette. I was going to say, you can knock that movie, but that Forever soundtrack was amazing. Yeah, you too, <laughs> Method Man. I mean, that has some good songs on there. That was that was a good soundtrack. Yeah, you're right. There's a little green tower alone on the sea. Come on, bro. Porpoise or whatever, bro, with his fucked up face, brother. I don't know if his face. I can't tell if it's in his fucking cheek and Dusty Rhodes' forehead. <laughs> or New Jacks. There you go. <laughs> oh, the other point I was gonna make too was that the whole soundtrack thing got kind of a brief resurgence last year with Guardians of the Galaxy. That whole soundtrack was awesome, too. And that was all old songs. That's the funny thing. Yep. So I was going to make a real quick comment about the film, the Dumb and Dumber film. You know, you were talking about the mental guy and all these B characters. You know, the heel, the movie had a great heel, but to me, the guy who really does a great job in the film, even though he's only in the movie for like a minute, is fucking Harlan Williams, bro. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Harlan Williams, <laughs> but... Harlan Williams plays the cop, right, who drinks the... And, and first of all, yes. everything he says is just such carny 80s fucking... So, what do you, you take a little bit of Grandpa's old cough medicine? And, uh... <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> and then he does what no cop would ever do, bro. He's like, let me have a sip of that. He's like, give me the deal. <laughs> okay. And he drinks the piss, and then he does... He has that awesome facial where he looks like his face is about to fall off. He is a Jim Ross face. The cerebral palsy face, and then he's like, "Get the hell oh out of here!" That one scene, bro, is a classic. That's a classic <laughs> scene, bro. And then, and then as they're driving off, you see him puking on the side of the road. 
Yeah, they they uh they brought him back for uh, something about Mary, and uh, of course he was the lead in Half Baked, which is one of my favorite movies ever as far as comedies because it has the great Stephen Wright who was the voiceover in Reservoir Dogs in the radio, and uh, Stephen Wright and Half Baked is just a guy that's sleeping on their couch and they don't even know who it is. Like they don't know who he is and they're so scared of him that he just and then when he wakes up in that one scene and they're all just looking at him and he takes the piss. And then he just fucking go. In typical Stephen Wright, you know, his face. Just think of the hair, bro. Anybody that knows Stephen Wright, they know what I'm talking about. That that face he has and the hair. And he just goes back. He just goes back to the couch. And he fucking goes back to sleep. I love that movie, fucking Half-Baked. With Harlan Williams. That's another great movie. Yeah, Harlan Williams. Harlan Williams, bro. This is this guy. Let me see how wacky Harlan Williams is. Two years ago, he did a comedy. This is, this, this. Two years ago, he did a special on Comedy Central. In the Mojave Desert with no audience, and he literally he literally goes out there and he does a, a comedic special right where they have helicopter cameras and hard cameras filming him. He's in the middle of nowhere. All you see behind him is legitimate sand, like nothing. He's on Tatooine, like sand dunes and shit, and he's cutting all these jokes right. And there's no audience and nobody's laughing. And he was on Tom Green's podcast and they, Tom Green asked him, he's like. Why would you do this? And Harlan Williams, bro, this guy has to be Nicolas Cage level out of his mind right here. He goes, sometimes I feel the audience kind of prohibits me, and when I'm by myself, I don't have to hear the laughter because I know I'm funny. Like, that's wacky right there, bro. That's wacky. That, that right there is wacky, bro. Yeah, but then again, look at where his career ended up, so he might have made some wrong decisions there. <laughs> well, what you're, so what you're telling me is that he made more money without any audience than with? No, I'm saying the other way around. He could have made a little more money if he was willing to play ball. You know what I'm saying? Well, that was his whole. That was him being wacky, bro. I'm gonna do a show in front of no audience, bro. That's like that. That that reminds me of the Vince Russo where we're gonna have a wrestling show with no ring. That's like the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> now to uh, to kind of wrap up Dub and Dumber, I think you know out of all the gags in the film, out of all the jokes, they say the biggest. One the biggest facepalm for the end with the bus, bro. That shit, that kind of puts a nice little knot on the film. I mean, you know. Well, well, they, I, I'm thinking they are. I'm thinking they're, they're closeted homosexuals, is what I think, because they they've used that same gag in part two. That's well, right. in part two, we find out they don't even know what sex is. So, which was kind of <laughs> I didn't really like that too much. So, you're in luck. There's a <laughs> All right, I'll show you a couple of guys there. What about the way? What about the way runs to catch up to them? The the, the Jim Carrey Lloyd run, which is a classic. I'm you sorry, my friend. Got? It's that way. <laughs> we we get to see the Jim Carrey Lloyd run twice when he's trying to when when he has the briefcase in the airport and then towards the end. And oh, only that, Jim that, Carrey that is great at the airport when he falls off the fucking thing <laughs> and he goes. Eh. <laughs> and you know what's funny that movie has so much of an influence that I've made that face before and that same noise when I buzzed in my ass bro <laughs> well, well one, one of no one of the best gags in the sequel that I laughed uproariously uh, and for no reason other than it was just my thing was uh, when, when Lloyd looks back at I believe his name is Travis uh, the villain from, from part two in the back seat and he's like we, we can't trust you and then he talk, he turns back and he points at him. Then he turns back and he points at him again, but he frees and he and he does that one of those wacky Jim Carrey faces. And then, and then the guy's like, well, what do you want now? 
And then there's like a two second pause. I forgot. <laughs> he has that stupid look on his face. <laughs> Dude, I pumped so hard for that fucking joke. Like, it's so stupid and retarded. <laughs> Bro, you know, we're going to talk about a little more about parts in a little bit. But before we, we do that, I just want to just ask you guys a question. Who remembers the cartoon? Oh, I, I, I saw the commercials for it, but I never saw an episode. I remember it existed. But just like, but with a lot of those cartoons, they, they, the cartoons never captured the magic of the movie, bro. Remember, there was a mask cartoon that sucked. There was a, 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 a clerk's cartoon, which it was okay, but it kind of sucked. You know, whenever you have a cartoon based on like a, a live action movie or character and it's a comedy, they never last, bro. They never do. I mean, let's not Ace forget the Wolf for Brimley cartoon. Ace and Tura. That one also sucked, bro. Yeah, Jim yeah. Carrey, but you know what? <laughs> Damn, Jim Carrey, bro. He cartoons off of everything. <laughs> the, only, the, only, the only cartoon that was good was the Ghostbusters. Well, the yeah, Ghostbusters. yeah, that's a good point. That's a I good love point. that cartoon. Not the real Ghostbusters, the, the movie version of the Ghostbusters. There's two cartoons. There's the real Ghostbusters, and there's the movie version of the Ghostbusters. No, you're confused. You're confused. There's the real Ghostbusters, and there's Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. That's where you're getting mixed up. But the real Ghostbusters is not even them, right? Like, Egon and Peter and those guys, they're not... They're, it's like another team. Like, it has another... No, you're thinking, of a, you're thinking of another cartoon. You're thinking of the Ghostbusters when they're a bunch of kids, and then, yeah, that one's called, like, Ghostbusters Extreme or some shit like that. That came out later. Hmm. Okay, but they don't even use that little that little foot pad to to put the ghost in another dimension and shit. It's like a whole. I never liked that cartoon. No, I never liked that either. Yeah, the, the original cartoon that was the real Ghostbusters, and then they they added when Slimer became the font of the show. They added Slimer in the real Ghostbusters, and then like with all these cartoons, whenever you do that, the show starts to suck real bad. So it got canceled, and then a few years later, they have the one you're talking about. I think it's called Extreme Ghostbusters. That's what it's called. Because I'll tell you what, this is how it worked for me. Because when the first one came out, I was only four. And I think the sequel, I was like eight. But I'll tell you what, I discovered the cartoon first. Like, I always thought when I was a little kid that they made the movie based on the cartoon, not the other way around. So uh, that was always interesting for me. Yeah, that, the, the car, and I love that cartoon, man, because uh, it, like, it was kind of like the movie, you know, in a lot of ways. And I yeah, remember, the first season. Go ahead. Here's the trivia part. I do remember being disappointed, and, and this is how, how, how wrong I was as far as, you know, the order of things. I thought they did a bad job in the movie because a lot of what was happening in the cartoons didn't happen in the movie. Like, Slimer in the movie is like a real villain in the library and shit when they're trying to get him. And then in the cartoons... No, no, it was the hotel. Yeah, the hotel, yeah. And then then, uh, the library was the sequel, right, with that one dude that's coming back at you and shit? No, the library library was uh, that ghost at the beginning of the movie, remember? The getter! Right, right. So yeah, 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 and, yeah. No, yeah, Slimer was like like a heel, but like not a really like a big heel though. He was like a, a mini heel. And then in the cartoon, I believe the leader was Egon, and in the movie it was Peter. Yeah, it's backwards. And, and the other thing that's weird about the cartoon is that I believe season one has been accepted as being canon. But what's weird about it? There's a few inconsistencies on that one. Like for example, there's an episode where they go into the ghost world where they have all the ghosts captured, and for some reason the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is there. And it's like, wait a minute, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man isn't even a real creature. It's just a form of gozer. Like that always threw me off. There's another episode of the TV series where the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man's actually a baby face. 
That was yes. weird, bro. That's that, that sounds wacky. <laughs> you never saw that episode? I wish Adolfo was here. He remembers. Yeah, but I, I, remember that, watching, that, I, I have vague memories of that cartoon. Yeah, it was from the 80s. So maybe early 90s. No, it was the 80s. You're right, lady. But but yeah, they actually they they needed help with something, and they go and they. It's weird, bro, because they reference the film. Like, there's tons of references about Gozer and, and all this shit. It's funny, no references about Dana Barrett at all, bro. It's like Dana Barrett didn't exist. But I remember there was an episode where they needed help or whatever, and they went to go ask the safe off. And I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. It's a cartoon, bro, relax. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I like continuity in my cartoons. Yeah, and then for back then, that kind of continuity wasn't established. That's like a, whole, that's like a new thing from like this generation as far as television making sense and shit. That's true. So anyway, wrap up uh, Dumb and Dumber 1 here, or what else we got to say about it? Well, we we did, so moving on to part two. Because now, before we start talking about that, I just want to talk about how it went, the Felix announced part two in 2011. Now, of course, I was excited when I heard it, but of course I had my reservations. I'm sure everybody here was... was Yeah, I thought it was going to be really good or really stupid. It could have gone either way. Listen, listen, anytime you're going to fuck with a classic, especially in, in, in the internet world, in the snobby, you know, Mark world. And I'm not talking about Mark you. I'm talking about Mark, the super fan kind of guy. Mark. Uh, 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 you're going to have a situation where, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to have reservations, especially because a lot of these films, um, we, we hold them near and dear to our heart, you know. So it's like, now what are you going to do with it? And now you later. Not only that, nine times out of ten, your fears do become reality because a lot of these films, remakes, Reboots, what have you, they do end up sucking. So uh, it's it's it, it, you know you, we, there's reason to be worried when we hear these kind of announcements. Once they announced it was going to be Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, though, I felt a lot better about it. Yeah, same here. And I mean, I remember the movie got canceled. I think like twice. Remember, it got canceled and then did it again. I think yeah, what Jim happened Carrey there and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, because I think Mark has a scuttlebutt there because he's got. I guess you have a little bit of you know information. Uh, he's but got no time's wrist. I, I do I, I do remember that uh, that Jim Carrey either he wasn't satisfied with the script and he shouldn't have been because if you're gonna fuck with a movie like that you you have you have to come with a real good script and then wasn't there heat between him and Jeff Daniels for a while or am I totally making this up? No, I heard well, that, about it, but I never trust those gossip sites too much. Yeah, I, I never really yeah I didn't believe that for a second either. Because there is no way, and Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey's like Hulk Hogan, brother. He he knows what's going to make money, even if it's going to make him look bad or make him look like the second banana. And and I refuse to believe that, that Jim Carrey's stupid enough to think that a Dumb and Dumber movie would work without Jeff Daniels. So I don't believe that story either. He needs him there. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, it can't work. It's either two or, no, or nothing, you know? So... Uh, well, th- remember, this is also around the time when he when he went on blast for um for Kick Ass Two and that whole publicity stunt. And that's what it was, by the way, a publicity stunt when he said that oh, uh, the you know the movie's too violent or whatever after the after the Aurora thing. I think it was he went he went on blast for that, which I saw that as a publicity stunt, bro. Burying the and that was in. that was one of Mark's worst movies of the year, I believe, and I hated that movie too. So, uh, didn't you hate that movie a lot, Mark? Which one? Kick Ass Two. Kick-Ass Part 2? Oh, I hated that fucking movie, bro. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You cut a promo on it. That's right. And, uh, and uh, I mean, I'm with you, bro. It was just so fucking stupid and retarded. And it was one of those movies that you just know the fucking suits had a lot to do with fucking it up because they couldn't capture the magic of the original. Exactly. The re- it was like the, the whole magic of Part 1 
what made it great was completely lost. Was Nick like Cage, they didn't bro. understand the material. Well, well, <laughs> well, let's be real. What made it great was Nick Cage being Nick Cage as Big Daddy. That, that's point one. <laughs> but point two was uh, was the aura. Like you said, you hit it right on the head. The aura that that film had. I love I love fucking Kick as one because first of all, it's original as fuck, man. Yeah, it's very mean, creative. What, when did we see, like, I remember when they, when they, dude, I still remember it was yesterday in 2011. I remember when they released the Red Band trailer and fucking Nick Cage, Big Daddy, he shoots his own daughter. And then they, they don't tell you what it's about. It's just a trailer. And then she gets up and then she's all happy and he's all happy for her. You know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing something fucking trippy and awesome. And then uh, and the whole storyline of how he's showing her how to fight. And they had fucking McLovin. Uh, as now not the heel yet, but kind of becoming the main heel and, and the uh, motherfucker. And, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, and even that one dude uh, uh, that, that's gonna play Quicksilver, uh, the, the kick-ass guy. Well, he's kick-ass. Uh, he did a good job as well. So that was a great fucking original movie, dude. And I love that movie. I own right. it and I watch it from time to time. But part two, man, like all of a sudden, I don't want to get started on that because I'm not yeah, the show for kick- this. Kick-Ass 1 was one of the first Blu-rays I ever had, and I love that movie. I bought, it was a blind purchase, too. I'd never seen it before, and when I saw it, I loved it. So so anyway, so uh, getting back to the Jim Carrey thing, uh, he's kind of like, the thing about Jim Carrey is that he has admitted that he does suffer from depression, a little bipolarism, uh, so he does go on his weird fucking escapades once in a while on the Internet, but here he just decided, I think, I think they were just waiting for the right script, and once they got yeah. it, they just, they just fucking went with it, and I'm not going to say the script was perfect because it wasn't, but I'll tell you what, when you watch part two, it's about as good as it's going to get without being perfect. So, uh, so yeah, I, I thought that was a good movie, too. Yeah, well, well, yeah I thought it was a good movie. I didn't think it was a great movie. I thought it was a good movie, though. Yeah, apparently the scuttlebutt was that uh, Carrie <laughs> almost left the, the project because like he felt that Warner Brothers wasn't showing enough enthusiasm for the sequel. And even Daniel, so this is why I don't believe the whole thing that he and Jim Carrey had beef, because Daniel's going on record to say that if Jim Carrey left, then he would leave too, and then that would be it for the sequel. Unless they cast two people, which would, then what's the point? You know, here, here's they the, the first time. Here's the thing about films like Dumb and Dumber and, and any, any film that's going to... The reason why it's hard now, and, and I, I guess Guardians of the Galaxy is the exception, because but there was so much hype behind that movie that it has to kind of become the classic that it became. But nowadays, in the world that we live in, with the, with, with the Internet and, and, you know, so many more options, the world has kind of become uh, – uh, you have more options for entertainment now, and also the world moves faster. So the, the information, especially superficial information like movies, is not really going to resonate. 1994 was a different era where you, you didn't have the Internet, you didn't have your iPhone, you, you know, either you went outside and played kickball or you went to the movies, and, and that kind of entertainment kind of stayed with you longer, so it was easier to have more classics than it is now, and, and now these great films like Dumb and Dumber 2 that are very good films and, and, and others, they kind of come and go now, unfortunately, and it's like uh, our society doesn't really stay with them anymore like they used to back in the day. And about this movie, too, like, you know, let, we can get into a little bit of review of it now. The thing about Dumb and Dumber 2 was that, I mean, a lot of the critics really shit on it. They kept saying, oh, it's, it's, it's a rehash of the first one. It's, it's dull. It's boring. You know what? As a super fan of, of the first movie of the original, so, a film that I love, this was an awesome nostalgia trip. Bro. They had a lot, like it was mentioned earlier, they had a lot of, like, a little throwbacks to the original film. And, but you know, they had it, enough it, new things that made it 
better. You it know? made it unique. Exactly. It wasn't like a Hangover Part Two, you know, where it was basically the same movie. They had you know, got to revisit the same characters in a different story, but they just had little throwbacks for the you know the the fans. You're like, oh, remember this from Part One? Remember this from Part One? So now it, it another like thing. A, go go ahead. I'll tell you in a minute. No, it was just like a big nostalgia trip. And you know what? I mean, it, it's a silly story, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, there's some things in the, there's some parts of the movie that are, you know, that there are some jokes that fall flat, but the thing that I love about this film, and there's something that sequels, good sequels are very good at doing this, is you flesh out the characters, you know, because part one, you're introduced to Harry, you're introduced to Lloyd, and you hear about Freya Felcher. And then in part two, she's an integral character. So I like that a lot, and I like how you find out things. Like, for example, you find out that Harry's parents are Asian, that he didn't know that he was adopted. That was wacky, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love that scene, brother, especially how racist Lloyd is right in front of him. I love that scene. <laughs> I love that scene, yeah. And, uh, and you know, and I like that. I like, And then you also find out that Lloyd... Um, you know, Lloyd's buddy, who wound up being the baby daddy at the end, you know, he's a new character. So I, I do like how they, they're taking stuff from the first movie that we didn't really see, that was kind of just barely talked about, and they put it in this movie. And I'll, so say, I'll say something, I'll say, let me go real fast. I'll say something real fast is that the trailer did not sell me on this movie. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I mean, the trailer, and I don't know if they did it to save their best gags for the film, which is always a good thing, I think, because some of these comedies, they blow their loads on the trailer. But uh, I, I felt a little underwhelmed, and the only reason I went to see it was because of the first one, you know. And it's like, okay, so maybe the reason why I really, really liked it was because my expectations were so low. And uh, I will say that the first half of this film is, is near perfect. This is the second half where I think it starts losing a little bit of steam. Yeah, it drags on. When Harry, when they get to the science fair, it really does drag on, without question. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, agree. The first half was great. I mean, early on we have the we have the the the, the returning drug with the with the kid who's now an adult and the bird, the blind know. kid, bro. <laughs> yeah, we have the, that popped me when they showed up. I love the fact that they have the bus scene, and then when the bus leaves, it's exactly the same set they used for the first one 20 years ago. You know, the same fucking, uh, uh, their the, the little apartment complex with the same little fucking walkway and everything. I love that shit, man. And uh, and um. Uh, I also love the oh the bike gag. I love the fucking gag with the bike. You know when they get on and they go like two like like a hundred feet and then they're at their mom's house. I love that shit. <laughs> and that's a classic <laughs> gag, bro. That's a classic <laughs> gag. And they just brought it back in 2014. Or what about the um? Or yeah, that's a good one. The, the catheter was a little too much. Like that, cause that anything having to do with catheters kind of freaked me out though. I don't know, that's just me though. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then it's kind of go ahead. No, because one thing, one thing, because I forgot to say what I didn't like about the first one. I don't think none of us did. I, what I didn't like was the, and I, and I, and I don't know how you guys feel about it. I did not like the gag with the old lady and the horse. I never liked, I've never liked that gag, and to this day I don't like it. I just think it's a little too much. What do you guys think? I was okay with it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know. I just thought, like, that, that's one of those gags that it, it's probably just me, but I, I just never found it funny, and it's like whatever, you know, and it's like, um, and that's but uh, let's see what else. Uh, that's pretty much it for the first one. But but uh, the, yeah, the second one and the second half. There's a lot of things I don't like about it. But but I mean, I think the first half was make well more than makes up for it because it's just like to me it was just gag after gag and they were all hitting with me, you know. And it was like so funny, uh, you know. And then when they meet the villain Travis, 
uh, that that's when it, it really picks up in my eyes how they're trying to one up each other and then like the way he dies just because <laughs> I, love the, I love them, bro. This is the best part. He could have shot him, like right there, point blank. Because not only do they tell him that they like they won't be able to be traced back because they're they're so quote unquote smart. You know, we don't even have social security numbers. Uh, you know, Lois sold it last week, and you know, and, and then uh, just to be a dick, this fucking guy decides to blow a fucking cherry bomb right next to their fucking head, and it's uh, <laughs> fucking making them. Was like, well, that's when the movie became a cartoon, right there. Well, I mean, it was a cherry bomb. I mean, you could have blown up a cherry bomb, and he, I mean, you know, I don't know if you're gonna be dead for for a couple minutes, but you know, he he, he blew it up, and, and and they all come out of the hearse, and then this motherfucker was like, "I got you," and then he's like, "Oh shit!" and then a fucking train just just runs over him, and, and it's like, even if it is a cartoon, like boy, well, Wiley Coyote. Could, I mean, that's Wiley Coyote right there. Well, he didn't come back. No, you mean Dean Ambrose is Wiley Coyote. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but uh. Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> you can't get over that one. Uh. No, so, I can't. Toby uh, so, uh, we'll Watabe. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about that. Well, I was gonna say in the next round, but these people will know there's gonna be a next round. Uh, so yeah, man, it, it's uh, I love that gag, dude. I was laughing hysterically. The theater was was in an uproar, um, just because of the setup. You said it right. You said it right, right there. You hit the nail right in the head. It is a cartoon. That whole gag was very cartoony, but the setup to me was phenomenal because you didn't even know it was gonna come. And and, and the reason why this guy's a villain dies is because of his own fucking ego and pride to fuck with them one last time, <laughs> and before he kills them, and it ended up leading to his demise. So I exactly. love that. And don't don't forget another beautiful writing, you know, coup here is how they introduced his twin brother because if you want to talk about wacky and unexpected, you know, they mention him and then all of a sudden the wall cuz I, I I don't know about you guys, but I did not notice him there. All of a sudden the wall moves and he's there. Like that's brilliant, bro. That was my favorite part of the movie. And a lot of people don't know this, but that was actually a practical effect. Like, like the whole fucking sequence with him being on walls and shit and the candy machine, that was all practical effects with camera tricks. It wasn't fucking, you know, George Lucas CGI sure. shit. CGI and shit, that's, yeah. That's a great character, bro. Like, the, the fact that he's a master of disguise, I mean, it's a lot better than that fucking Dana Carvey movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... So, so well, yeah, like, this this movie, uh, uh... uh, uh uh, what's his name? Uh, Lloyd. No, Harry finds out he has a daughter, and it's it, like like we said about part one. Now we're following Harry's story instead of Lloyd's, because Lloyd's story is the one that drives it in part one. For this one, it's Harry's story that's driving it, and the reason why they're on a road trip. And I also love that gag with the dog, with the car, with the you know the dog car. How like yeah, they tease uh, the dog car coming back, and they pull it away from you. I yeah, love that, 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 that. I hated that. Like they, you know, it was basically fan service. They brought it back for a second, and then that was it. Yeah, but you got to understand, Mark, that, again, you know, you got to be fair, fair is fair here. You know, if you're going to talk shit about fan service, you know, then, then, then either you're for it or you're against it, you know. And, and, and the thing is that the only reason that dog car was there, if, they, if it would have been longer than it was, it would have just been for the fan, for fan service, you know. And, you know, you guys have talked about the Star Wars prequels, how there was a lot of fan service that was necessary. So the thing is this, like, fan service is fan service, you know. And, and sometimes as a storyteller, 
you really can't get people that because then you're kind of becoming a mark for your own product. So I love how they taste it, but then they just destroyed it because it was like, you know what, guys? We're in another right now. This is a whole other movie. Here's the card <laughs> you, so you can mark out, but then we're going to just go and keep on going with our movie. Because I think Mark was just sad that the dog car went away. That is a cool car. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but as a storyteller, I thought it was perfect. I thought, I thought you don't want to keep that fucking dog. That, that dog car reeks of part one, bro, and it's like this is another movie. I mean, now, the gag was, I mean, I laughed. The gag was funny when it broke down, but then I, as a fan, I was mad. <laughs> I wanted to see more Now, of the it. chick who played Harry's daughter, which actually wasn't Harry's daughter, and that was a good little twist at the end, uh, how Freyna Felcher was a slut, and they all thought they fucked her, but they didn't even know what fucking is. You know, that, that that's the one thing I did not like about the movie is that, you know, we're led to believe that Harry and Lloyd did not know what sexual intercourse was. And, th- like, that whole thing, I did not like that at all. Like, I try to erase that from my memory. But, 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 well, but wasn't, was that hot, estab- wasn't that established in the first one in the jacuzzi scene? Well, no. In the jacuzzi scene, it was it was more so that they were talking about Freda Felcher and Harry accused Lloyd of fucking her or whatever, right? But that we didn't know that they didn't even know what fucking was. Exactly. That's the thing, you know, it was, it was, yeah, I didn't like that. That, I, that's, I mean, I did like the second movie, but that's one thing I did not like about well, the second movie. Well, the movie thing is that, that it's not so much that they didn't know what fucking was, it's that they didn't, they didn't know how you make a baby. It's two different things now, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, but, but the thing is, that to me, and this is my opinion, that to me crosses the line of, then now it's too dumb. You know what I mean? That, that's just my opinion. I thought that was too dumb. Well, in a movie like this, you're really you're really threading the line because we the, they, that could be an example with a lot of things in these kind of films, and it just depends on the person, like you said. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's why I said to me, I thought it was too dumb. And that's one of the risks you take with with these kind of movies. Like I said, like to me, the horse bit in the first one was a little dumb, and uh, but it comes down to the person that's watching it. But those are again, you you know, you still have to make these kind of movies. You're gonna take those kind of risks, but hey, if, if only like one or two scenes kind of take you out of the movie, I think that's a pretty good ratio, even just one, you know, but once you have an entire movie like that that keeps on reminding you that it's just fucking retarded, like Monday Night Raw on Monday night for three hours, uh, then you're going to fucking say, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, now what's going scary on here? movie, three, four, five, six. And um, also, I, I thought the chick was hot, bro. I thought the chick that played uh, the, the, the daughter was super freaking hot. And I love how she kind of looked more like Jim Carrey and she was an idiot just like they were. Like, I love when they introduced that because you got to be careful. When you introduce that third retard, like, you got to be careful how you introduce them, bro, because they could, you know, as you know, as we've heard Poochie, she, she could have been like Poochie, bro, and she wasn't because yeah. they didn't well, overexpose you, you, her. You, you know one of the things that the Fairly Buzz did right is, there you go, you take, they didn't overexpose her. And every time they used her, it was kind of like to drive the plot forward. Like when she's trying to get into the convention, yep. and she's kind of retarded, and she, or, or like the whole thing about her phone missing, and it's like, oh, that's why I couldn't answer my phone because she didn't fucking have it. You know what I'm saying? And so little things like that, uh, uh, you know, because because I think Harry ended up with her phone somehow. And uh, one by of the, the way, I like for about, the record, I do know a girl who is that dumb, legit. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Uh, go sell her a bridge, but um, no. One of the things that I, that one of the bits that I like about part two is uh, when when well well first of all we haven't said this but uh uh, uh what is it Harry no Lloyd wants to fuck Harry's daughter, but then somehow yeah. when uh, so 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 Harry 
makes it to where uh, I mean Lloyd. Keep on getting guys confused because I'm buzzing already. Lloyd, uh, he 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 kind of swingles a date with with Harry's daughter. Then in that conversation, <laughs> he finds out that he might be the father. And all of a sudden, he's very, like, fatherly. And I like when she leaves, he's like, come back here. You're grounded. Come on here. <laughs> I, I thought before the movie came out that was going to be the big twist, and I kind of expected it. But I love how that was not the twist. Because I guess what happened was the Farrelly's kind of knew, like, okay, people are going to expect it to be his kid from the first movie, so let's make it neither one of their kids. That's what, the way I saw that. Right. So, uh yeah, and I and again we're talking about the dream sequences here. I I love fucking uh, Lloyd's dream sequence. That's probably one of my best favorite parts of the yeah, movie. Another back. How, how what about Harry's do? dream sequence, bro? Where Lloyd shows up with all those gimmicks in the lawn? That part got a huge <laughs> pop out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's something like like uh, Harry's married to like the like the supermodel and shit, and then Lloyd shows. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one too. He's wearing, best, he, he's wearing he's wearing ice skates for no reason, and then he started going to the trash. And then Harry's like, "Hey, hi!" He just waves at him. But, um... <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie. No, but the whole plot is that. But here's the other thing about the film is that we didn't even the, the sub layer is that he's not just trying to find his daughter because he wants to be a good father. Again, much like with Lloyd and his selfishness, Harry wants a kidney. And then we find out that that was a work. Yeah, that's right. So, so we never find out why he really wanted to find his daughter. Well, I think I think he wanted to find his daughter because he wanted to be a good father. But the whole trick was that, you know, the whole kidney thing. So we're led to believe that he's actually a dick when in actuality he was just playing a prank on Lloyd. And I love how he gets stuck in Mexico and they're like, oh, some Mexican guy took my liver. And, and it's a piece what was it, like a piece of steak inside of a, of a plastic bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the cooler, bro. That's funny. That's how you do things down in TJ. Yeah, the whole yeah, thing well, full circle. Lloyd's gag and then Harry's gag to get him back. Yeah, yeah, and and, and actually, uh, if you look at because I've seen the movie three times, there is really? a point. Yeah, I I saw it three times. Uh, there is a point uh, um, where you could see in the movie where uh, Harry comes up with the plan. That wasn't his plan. Like that was it, it was uh, when when I believe it was when um, fuck I forgot the, the scene, but it's early on where you could tell like. He's gonna fuck with 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 Lloyd, and then they go on on their adventure. But uh, you only notice that if when you get the punchline at the end that he was bullshitting the whole time, and uh, so so uh, yeah, there is that. But I don't know. I thought it was a, a, about this is this is what I gotta say about this. I thought it was about as good of a movie as you're gonna get as far as a sequel to a classic. That's what I think of this movie. And I did love the end credit scene with Seabass. I mean, I he's really say. old, but yeah, you told me about it. You said stay after the credits. I loved it, and I, it was worth it. Oh, I'm going to tell you guys what happened uh, yeah. the, the, real quick. When I was in the theater, right, I was me and the chinkster, right, and we're watching this movie, and everybody left, and it's just me and him in the credits, right? And this fucking guy who has to be retarded, bro, he's got to be mentally challenged, he's cleaning up the movie theater, right? And uh, he's looking he, – this guy had to be retarded, bro. So he's cleaning up the movie theater, and then he just stops and stares at us, bro. So we're sitting there watching the movie, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy staring at us. You know, out, of, out, out of out of the corner of your eye, not with a tear in your eye, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> not with a tear in my eye, not yet, but I was, it was coming. So after <laughs> after about two minutes of awkward silence, I go, "We're just waiting for the 
end credit scene, bro. We'll be out of here afterwards. And this fucking guy goes, it's really not that good, man. What? And this is exactly how he said it. What happens is, and I go, bro, I don't want what you to tell fuck? me. That's why I'm waiting. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the fuck? Now, one thing that one thing that we got to give props to is that, goddamn, Jeff Daniels nor Jim Carrey, they haven't aged today since 1994. And I know, I know makeup, bro. And there's only so so far. You know, makeup only take you so far. So it's, they have some pretty good genetics, or I don't know what, but they haven't aged today since 1994. Oh, no, I think exactly they do look thing. older. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I think, I think uh, well, Jim Carrey more so than Jeff Daniels. I Not think, everybody can be Bob Backlund, bro. Well, not even Bob <laughs> Backlund could be Bob Backlund nowadays. Especially not in 82. But, uh, no, but no. No, you mean not, no, you mean not everybody could be Teddy Long is what you're saying. That's right. That's right. That's another one. No, but... <laughs> So the guy goes, so the guy goes, what happens is, and I'm like, bro, like, don't tell me the movie. And then he has this really sad face. He's like, you know, he has this whole, like, fuck you kind of face. And I'm like, motherfucker, fuck you. You can't spoil this movie. So I start thinking about it, right? And I'm like, if this guy spoils the movie for me, could he get fired for that? Because if you work in a movie theater and you spoil the movie for a person watching the movie, I assume, and I've never worked in a movie theater before. But I assume that's like grounds for termination. Bro, you could. These motherfuckers are making minimum wage, brother. I mean, they don't have those. Well, kind they of go fucking, fucking flip burgers, bro. Fuck. They don't have. They don't have those kind of bylaws, brother. Uh, I, I guess if you complain, they'll fire him. Not fire him, but I wouldn't want to get anybody fired, man. Even if no, I didn't complain. I, I didn't complain, but I thought about it. And I you, know said, what, you, know what, you know what you should have done, dude? If you would have complained, they would have given you a free ticket to see another movie. That's what they do to shut you up in the movie theaters. You know what? You're right. I should have done that. You're right. You're right about that. <laughs> Fuck. Well, here's the thing. I, I didn't want to tell him either, but what happened was I thought about it, and I thought, you know, there could be other movies where he does this. So, I mean, could you imagine Guardians of the Galaxy if people were waiting? It's Howard the Duck, man. It's Howard the Duck. You know, so I'm thinking, <laughs> fuck this guy, bro. I would have been like, it's Spider-Man. That's what I would have been. <laughs> I would have been like, bro, <laughs> the ghost the entire time. I would have been like, it's Spider-Man, and yes, it's still Andrew Garfield in the in the hidden, uh, you know, scene of the movie. And he's dressed like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it was. I like Dumb and Dumber too, bro. I, the thing that sucks is that yeah. I, I I would like a sequel, but it's probably not going to happen. And you know what? I really don't want it to happen because the more sequels you do to these movies, the more of a risk you run of it, of, the, of it ruining the franchise. Now, do any of you guys remember the the prequel that we we don't want to talk about? The only reason I ask is because how 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 good of a job. Even if the movie sucks, could it still be canon, or do they fuck a lot of shit up? Like I don't remember. I saw it once and I never saw it again. I don't remember That's, if that it was me yeah. too. I saw it once in the theater, and that was it. I never saw it again. Because Freda Felcher's in that movie, but I don't, I don't remember it, it fixed fitting with this. And also, what have the Farrelly brothers said? Like you have usually a filmmaker will go on record and say, okay, that never happened. You know? Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I, I think everybody has erased that movie from their memory, including them. I don't think they have anything to do with it, nor do they want to. I don't even That's think. That's right. It's a, uh, you know, uh, and there's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. You know, people say, "Well, is there characters? Is that another thing?" Well, it's not that easy, you know. But especially because in 1994 they were young guys, so they were, they probably sold their rights to the studio or whatever. That's but right. um, but yeah. So so let's not, the less said about that movie, the better. 
I just wanted to find out if uh, if, if it fucks with the canon of the other two, but I was, I'm under the impression that it doesn't. Because I remember seeing it, and it kind of made sense. It just wasn't funny or original or nothing. It was just, it was just like, you know, uh, stupid gags that didn't go anywhere. But um, And two guys making an imitation of Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey, although the Jim Carrey one was very good. So that's pretty much it for that movie, and, uh, and uh, we only count one and two. Now, yep. here's the other thing that I recently discovered. So I remember a few years ago they came out with Son of the Mask. Which was talking about like sequels that didn't have uh, sequels to Jim Carrey movies without Jim Carrey, and I remember *Son of the Mask* has like the record for the quickest turnaround from theater to home video. This movie was in theaters for like two weeks. I believe the record is 32 days. I remember or 36 days. This movie was on fucking home video a month after it came out. That's how much of a flop it was, right? But but isn't that, that isn't that more isn't that more for prestige? Because doesn't don't all these WWE films go on like for a theater like for a day and then they're on DVD for like the next week or something like that? Yeah, but the, but the difference is that with that film, it wasn't intended to be like that. From what I was reading, that movie was supposed to have a full eight week eight week run, but it was so bad. Remember that was the one where the baby puts the mask on, bro. And if we've learned anything from films, dude, whenever you incorporate talking babies to any movie, it's gonna be on that IMDb worst movie list, right? Point. <laughs> on there. But, is, that um, the, is that the one where, where uh, Jamie Kennedy, <laughs> another yeah. 1990s fucking throwback motherfucker? Oh, my God. But but here's the point I was going to make. Did you guys know, and I'm assuming you did, but maybe you didn't because I didn't until recently. There's a third Ace Ventura movie. Ace Ventura Jr., right? Yes. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I... I've, I've never it. seen it either. Yeah, I've only seen it like when the three pack, and it's like I would, I would not buy the three pack just to not have that movie. Like I don't want that movie anywhere in my household. You know, but from what I read, babies, bro. Bro, from <laughs> what I read about that movie, that's not even like his son. He's just started like the agency called Ace Ventura Junior. That's all it is. Like it's not even like his legit son. Well, yeah, it's not called Son of Ace Ventura. It's called Ace Ventura Junior. Oh, I see what you're saying because it's the junior. Yeah, it's yeah. a stupid name, bro. Oh, so you're Sammy saying Davis that this, this guy was like the luchadors. They paid the original guy to be their son. Yeah, either that or – but he wasn't like McMahon because if it was McMahon, they wouldn't have the junior in there. That's true. But, but yeah, but for the people that don't know, in Lucha Libre, a lot of guys pay the, the legends to say, let me call myself junior, and they're not related. They're just writing out the name. But anyway, yeah. keep on going. Like, Rey Mysterio Jr. is actually Rey Mysterio's nephew, not son. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, but that's not that example, love, they're still family. But I love how, yeah. remember how Joey Styles gave that away on ECW one night, and then Foley got mad. You, know, you just ruined the illusion, Joey. They thought it was his father, not his uncle, and you ruined it. Well, Mick Foley's an idiot, because that shit has, was common fact among wrestling circles for fucking 30 years, so... <laughs> First of all, Mick Foley's son's name is Dewey, bro, okay? That's all, that's all I need mean. to <laughs> Huey, Dewey, and Louie, bro. That's it. He better By not way, be talking about names. Mark, have you seen the, the Santa Claus documentary on Mick Foley that's on Netflix? Not yet. No. I saw it. It's pretty good. I saw it. It's actually pretty good. It's about all these Santa Clauses around the country, and it's actually very, very good, man. You should check it out. And Mick yeah, Foley's like... Yeah, saw it. He said he wanted to talk about it, too, so I was, I was making plans to see it. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah. I guess, I guess we're done, bro. I mean, I, like like I said, like I I loved part two because it, it was a great nostalgia trip for me, especially as a fan of part one. 
And I think people who like part one are really going to get, are going to enjoy it. It's not going to be like the perfect movie or anything like that, but if you're a fan of part one, you know, that has the throwback gag and it's a nice, it's a good story. You know, it, By the way, it, those it, cupcakes the, in that movie look good, bro. <laughs> like, like to Draven's point, it's the best possible sequel you'd get from from something like Dumb and Dumber. So, uh, do you guys yeah. have any final thoughts about that? No, just uh, when it comes out, check it out. It's a nice little sequel to the original, and uh, it's not as good as the original, but it, it, it's got its moments. Uh, the, the the movie's well paced up into the third act, where it kind of it kind of gets a little, you know, it, 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 the the running time's a little too long there towards the end. But besides that, I thought it was a very good movie. My final thoughts are Kane Dewey. <laughs> I guess with that lovely note, we're going to wrap up for suspected episode 55. Any questions, comments, feedback, just send an email to spmpodcast at gmail.com. Please be sure to put in the subject line for suspected or SP. Uh, I mean, I'm talking to the 2K Fabulous Lucha Brothers, so if you guys want to plug your show, you know, have at it. You just did. I want to plug Adolfo, brother. Not in the butt, but I want to just say, Adolfo, we'll see you in 18 years. <laughs> Does that make you the Felcher, then? The what? Well, you haven't told me what a Felcher is, bro. I told you to look it up. No. I don't want viruses <laughs> on my computer. Jesus. You're, right, right, right now, am I talking to Dean Mark or Harry and Lloyd? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out right now. <laughs> You're talking to Seabass and the other guy, whatever his name is. I'm talking to Ment- Mentalista and and and, uh, and the other girl, the, the Karen Duffy. Mentalista is Dave Bautista's long lost tag team partner. <laughs> Blue That's a horrible joke. Yeah, and Blue Tista. Yep. Oh God. Let's get out of here. Yeah. So everybody, episode fifty-six will be our next episode. Dolphin will be back, and we're going to get into more of the. More recent releases, you know, Whiplash, Hunger Games, all that good stuff. Adolfo's so, about uh, to give birth, bro. Hunger Games? That came out three years ago. I think he means a new one. All right, all right. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess or he's, that, a, he's, have... he's expecting this show to go up in about two years. <laughs> yeah. On the next show, well, we're gonna on the next show we're gonna cover the Avengers, the Avengers, the Age of Ultron. So, so come back to us. <laughs> no, we're gonna cover the Avengers: Infinity War Part One on the next. Show. <laughs> <laughs> and Star Wars Episode Nine, all in one big super show. How are they gonna replace Mark Hamill, bro? After that horrible car accident. The CGI him. There you go. Yeah, pretty much. But I guess with that, on behalf of myself, Big B and Draven of Sports Guy 515, until next time, we're out of here. All right. All right, so that's it. Yeah, that's it. So uh, if you want to join us, Mark, go ahead and sign up for that Skype gimmick. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.